Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Good morning, Cypress Church. Good morning. I'm Terry Lambert. I'm the, I always have to think about this to make sure I get it right. Executive assistant, past, executive assistant, pastor, and coach. I didn't give me that title, as you can tell, but it's a long one. And I'm glad to be here this morning. By the way, happy Father's Day to all of you. It's great to uh, celebrate this today. But we're going to start a series today called the Summer Mixtape. Now, Victor knows what a mixtape is. Is that a new term, Victor? Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Tape, that part I get. Is this on cassette tapes or on, you know, (laughs) A-tracks, of course. Some of us know what that looks like. Yeah, some of us. But the point is we're going to start a new series just for the summer, focusing on the Psalms and songs in scripture so that we can get a picture of what that looks like. Um, I don't know about you, but songs are pretty significant. At least they have been in my life. And they bring back memories. They take us back to places. Uh, They really have a significant part of our life. I want to give you an example of this and ask you, I'm going to play you a short introduction, just the introduction to a song and ask you if you remember it. Okay, so let's play the first one. I'm seeing some head nods. And here it goes. How many of you remember it? Yeah, okay. Who's who's the group? Beach Boys. And what's the song? California Girls, right. I mean, if you if you read those lyrics, they're they would never get away with it in this day. You know, the, the cutest girls in the world are all from California. I, I don't know. I got one from Ohio, but you know, it's <laughs> Here's another one. See if you recognize this one. Some more head knobs. Okay, who is it? How many of you remember? Yeah, who is it? And what's the song? I want to hold your hand, right. I don't know if guys are using that as a pickup line or what, but uh, those bring back, I mean, did you have something that said, I don't know, high school, junior high, infancy? You know, I mean, no? But it brings back memories. Scripture does the same thing. It adds things to music so as to help us understand it and help us associate with it and help us to remember it. So we're going to take a look at some of the Psalms and some of the songs that are in Scripture going through this summer. The one we're going to look at today, I'm calling it Kicking It in 78. We're going to look at Psalm 78. Yeah, I know. What is kicking it back? Victor, what does kicking it back mean? He is, he's left. What? You need this message, Victor. Yeah. Is he over there? Oh, you're just raising your hand. You know, kicking it is, I think, 
kind of laid back, you know, that kind of thing. So we're going to kick it back in Psalm 78 this morning, because I'd like for you to focus on what it has to say at the outset related to how we perform, particularly as parents, particularly guys on Father's Day as dads. So we'll take a look at it from that standpoint. But basically, it starts with showing up, just showing up into the situation. And you're going to hear that a couple of times as we go through the day, as we go through this, through this message this morning. It starts with just showing up. So I want to take a look at the psalm. If you'll turn to Psalm 78 in your Bible, you'll see it here, the title on the, um, on the screen. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me for just a moment, and we'll ask Father God to direct our thinking as we go through this. Father, we ask you that you will join us today. We know that you're here, but we're, I'm asking that you will join us in such a way that our minds will be clear, that we will see and hear what it is that you have in mind for us this morning. We ask these things in your name, your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this psalm, I think, is interesting just, first of all, in its title. Um, It says in my Bible, tell the coming generation. And if you read the whole psalm, we're just going to cover the first eight verses this morning. But if you read the whole psalm, it talks about how to share news, how to share values, how to share things about Father God into the next generation. But this next phrase is the one that I thought was kind of interesting, a miscal of Asaph. And my first question was, what in the world is a miscal? And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Eric, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, okay, he says whatever. But you graduated from Talbot, so. But this is a miskel. So I looked it up. And what is a miskel? Well, it appears in 13 different Psalms. It, most translations, if you see this, the footnote, it says probably a musical or liturgical term. Well, that's fine, but that's not too satisfying, particularly when you see the word probably. But Spurgeon made comments on this. He said, this is an instructive psalm, that the root meaning of the word is understand or ponder. So my conclusion is that this is a psalm that was written for instruction, but put into a musical or liturgical form. So we can take it from that standpoint. So the next question to ask is, who is Asaph? Well, his name appears in the beginning of 12 different psalms, but he was one of the musicians that was appointed by David back in 1 Chronicles. He performed at Solomon's uh, temple dedication. So he was one of the worship leaders that was one of the main ones that had to do with uh, the worship and the music of that time. You'll see by this picture, it's an authentic picture, I'm sure, that, that's a joke, okay? <laughs> Thank you for the chuckle. But the point is, there's guitars here. So we know that rock and country music was part of the Jewish culture. <laughs> but what I don't understand is that his foot, do you see where his foot is? Yeah, it's on somebody's head. Now, I don't know if that's supposed to be Goliath or what, but the point is, this was Asaph. He was one of David's appointed worship leaders. 
And he wrote this instructive song, psalm, and put it to music with the intention that it would impact generations and particularly people, the parents and the men who were responsible for their children. So let's take a look at this Psalm 78. What is it? It's a song written by one who was responsible for temple music, and it's intended to instruct. So let's see what we can gain from this. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Let me read it with you, please. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Turn only one page, Terry. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should seek their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, there's a lot of things in there just in this opening part of this psalm. But I'd like to, I mean, in terms of what he's asking of the, the parents, he wants the next generation to know God. He wants to put their hope in God and he wants them to not be rebellious like previous generations. But this morning, I would like to focus on something else. And that is the actions, the verbs, the hows that he is mentioning here. And I'd like to focus particularly on three. So here's the first one. It's called Naba. And it means, according to Strong's, okay, now I didn't make this up, okay? But it means to gush forth or to specifically to emit a foul odor to belch out. Yeah, suddenly the room got quiet. It's like, what's Terry going to do with this? I don't know. I don't know what this is about, but if we're to utter, I think guys are better at this kind of uttering than ladies are. Okay. (laughs) I think this is locker room kind of stuff would be probably more appropriate, but I was thinking, how do I give an example of this? And I'm just going to say, use your imagination. Okay. Use your imagination to figure out what he's talking about with utter. But the point is, this is something very basic. This is something that's very part of the way we communicate. And what Asaph is saying and suggesting is, make what we're talking about here very basic, very common. The second verb that I like to draw your attention to is the one that's translated tell. It's safar. And it means to score with a mark as a tally or record to inscribe, enumerate, or recount. Now that's just not telling and transferring information to someone. That says to me that it's telling with the intent that you're checking off a checklist. 
As an example, I would suggest the Miranda rights. I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything else because that's something that's said where it's checking off the checklist. And that's what Asaph is trying to suggest here is do this in such a way that you are focusing on some important stuff and checking off the list as you tell it. The third one, the third verb is to teach. It's yada, and it means to know or ascertain by seeing, to acknowledge. In other words, again, we're not just talking about this, but we want to show you what it looks like. Patsy and I just went two weeks ago to Catalina, and we went zip lining. One of us really wanted to do that. <laughs> One of us went along for the ride. But my point is, if I were to describe to you how, what zip lining is like, that it's so fast and it's cool and you're hanging out there all by yourself and you're petrified stepping off the edge, you might be able to relate to it a little bit. But if I take you there and show it to you and you participate, that is a completely different kind of teaching. And that's what he's talking about here is teaching, not just verbalizing it, but to actually take the person and show them so that they can see it and be taught by seeing and experiencing rather than just being told. So that's what he's talking about here. So what does this all mean? What is he actually saying here? I would suggest this paraphrase created by an outstanding person. You'll see their initials. But another joke, folks. Come on, let's go with this, all right? You see, it's my initials. All right, but this is a paraphrase that I would suggest. Listen up. I'm hanging out and talking straight about important stuff. It's stuff you've heard and will want to make sure it's passed on to millennials and Zers. Go ahead and look those up in Google. Important stuff about the Lord and what he has done. Pass it on so they will know, trust, and obey God and not be rebellious like other generations. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the passage, that's what it's saying. So consequently, as we look at this, what we're suggesting is we need to pay attention to this because other generations need to come to grips with their relationship with God. And we can pass that on. We can pass on what we have been taught. (laughs) We can utter it if that's what's necessary. We can tell it and we can teach it. So what does this look like? What does it look like to utter, to tell, and to teach? Well, one thing, it's informal, and it's intentional. It's about being versus doing. It starts basically with showing up. Here are some examples that I'd like to share with you from my experience of what it means to just show up. My grandsons and I go to the car show almost every year. And you'll see in these two pictures that the boys like to get into the cars and try out the, uh, the functions. So here they are trying the seat adjustments. And uh, it has a challenge to it, but it's better than airbags. So they're trying, and they love to do this. It's very fun. In this same car show, Volkswagen had this display that's on the next picture. 
And you'll see in the background a big large screen that was on the wall. And what they were doing is they were actually televising one of their uh, models. She was describing the Volkswagen vehicles. They were broadcasting it onto this large screen. Well, if you look real closely over at the right-hand side of that screen, (laughs) there's a little kid. He's not so little. But that was Nate. And Nate just had to get into the picture. But we so enjoyed that moment. I mean, we laughed about it for for almost the rest of the trip because it was just us being there, just being there with the guys. Here's another picture. Every year for the last couple of years, Patsy and I have taken our kids to a Dodger Padre game. Two of our girls are Padre fans. We cannot influence that. For some reason, it's just there. They live in San Diego area but the rest of them are being raised properly as Dodger fans. (laughs) But the point is, we just go and we hang out. And as you can see, there's quite a variety in age of our kids. From Sophia, who now is driving, how did that happen? All the way to Maddie, who will be six soon. But the point is, we just have a great time hanging out together and being there. And that's what I'm suggesting is that being and understanding how to do this is basically just showing up, just being there. It's a great way that we can begin to do this influence. Jesus did the same thing. In John chapter 3, verse 22, it says this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them, and was baptizing. Now that word remain in our English language is kind of interesting in that it's just like he showed up and yeah. But that's not what the Greek word says. Here's where the seminary's coming in. Diatribo is the word. And what it means is to rub against or to rub off. What Jesus was doing was not just being with the 12 disciples. He was actually doing it in such a way that he was rubbing against them and rubbing off. You can imagine the influence that took place through that time frame. You can begin to imagine what Jesus was talking to them about. You can begin to imagine how influential that was in the disciples becoming the men that they became all in just a short period of time. Jesus showed up. He was with them. He wasn't so concerned, and don't misunderstand this statement, but he wasn't at that time so concerned about the doing as he was about the being. And that's what I'm trying to help uh, that we understand this morning is that the beginning part of having influence is showing up. It's the being as opposed to making sure that we do the doing. So what does it look like? It starts with showing up. What does showing up look like? It means being there. We're not focused elsewhere. We're not distracted. We're not taking phone calls. We're not checking emails. We're not checking texts. We're there. We're engaged in the, pro- in the, in the relationship. It means talking normally, and more important, listening, 
asking good questions, open-ended questions as as opposed to closed questions, yes and no answers. It's the stuff of common interest. My grandsons are not that interested in fashion. They're interested in sports. Our girls are more interested in fashion. Some of them are into blitz, a glitz. What, what is it, Patsy? Glitz? Bling. Bling. Pardon me. See, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> but at least I can ask, what? Yeah, right. The point is, we're asking questions about what's of common interest to us and to them. We're not feeling the need to carry the, res- the conversation or even to be responsible for it, just to be there in it. What does it look like? Start, uh, showing up means intentionally conscious of opportunities. If Father God is who he says he is, and we show up, he can take care of many of the rest of the aspects of that relationship. He can orchestrate conversation. He can bring up things that you can then talk about so as to pass on this stuff to the next generation. Those kinds of opportunities could surface at any time. So we need to be ready to recognize them. Trust Father God to orchestrate them and not worry about it. Just show up. It looks like being informal and intentional about dietary bowling. So as we look at our relationship with our next generations, particularly our grandkids and our kids, depending on their age and where they are, it's about being there. It's about showing up. It's about the being rather than the doing. Here's a little short video that illustrates what I'm talking about. Got 90 seconds before my position is compromised. What if I can't find it? It's not an option. We both know what's at stake. Mm. Steak. Steak sounds good. I don't know what to tell you. Reese. Reese, what happened? I think they're right outside the door. Stay calm. If they don't hear you, they'll move on. Reese, you've got to find it.
Mission accomplished. Good night, baby. Night, Mama. That's what we're talking about, just being there. Portrayed a little differently, maybe, than you had anticipated, but that's it. So, for some of us, there's a challenge to this. For some of us, just showing up can be a challenge. And here's part of the problem. It's what we were taught. Here is a picture of my grandparents. As you can tell, they are trend style setters in their day and age. My paternal grandparents on the top and my maternal grandparents on, on the bottom. But what I remember about my grandfathers is this. My paternal grandfather died when I was about seven years old. I cannot remember one conversation I had with him. My maternal grandfather, I cannot remember a conversation I had with him, but I remember being with him. And what I'm suggesting is this is what was passed down to us. Both of these gentlemen were introverts, and that's part of the challenge. But the other part of it is they were not taught to talk. That wasn't what you did in their day and age. You did things. You accomplished things. My paternal grandfather was a captain in the Bremerton Fire Department. My maternal grandfather was a, a custodian engineer. That's a fancy term, but that's what he was. And what I'm suggesting to you is that that was passed on through the next generations to me. And frankly, this is something that is a challenge for me, just being with my kids and my grandkids. I feel like I have to save the world. I feel like I've got to carry the conversation. I feel like there is a lot expected of me that I may not be able to perform very well. And what I'm coming to grips with, even at this age, is that's not what it's about. It's about showing up. It's about being rather than doing. So I'm suggesting to you that even though, I mean, you may be an extrovert, you may be an introvert, but showing up is the, is the point. And that may be a challenge for you, maybe because of the same circumstances I have experienced that that's what I was taught. But what I'm suggesting is that it can be done, just showing up. Ladies, you have sharp elbows. I would suggest to you that saying you need to versus you may want to 
is a much better way to help us show up. And as you work with us as in marriage relationships or any other kind of relationship, help us understand that we can do this. Just show up. Just be there. That's the beginning point. Father God can take care of orchestrating the rest. So that's my main message to you. Just show up. Just show up. Now, the other question to this is, why did Asaph put this into music? Well, I think that's a great question. Why did he put this message, this psalm, this instruction into a song? I would suggest, how many of you know the ABCs? All of you aren't raising your hands. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> how many of you learned the ABCs this way? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah, okay. We've, it was put to a song to help us remember it and put it to work. And even those of us who are older, we still remember the song. I would like to suggest that we can put this to a song also. Men, if you would, please stand for just a moment. All of the men in the audience, if you would, please stand. One of the things that we would like to give you today is a flashlight. And the ushers are coming right now to distribute those. So once you get yours, if you would remain standing for a moment. The ushers went out for coffee. <laughs> Here they come. Thank you. We would like, to, as a Father's Day gift, to give you a flashlight. It looks like this. It's really quite cool. Afterwards, you'll be able to enjoy root beer and other things in the back that the high school are going to give you. But here's what I'm suggesting. In the same way that we learned the ABCs, we can learn or help ourselves to remember to show up. So here's how it works as soon as everybody gets one. They're bright. So men, turn them on. Turn them on. Yeah. Gentlemen, sing with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Gentlemen, I would suggest that every time you use this, remember to show up. Okay? You may be seated. As you well know, we don't have the responsibility to solve all the world's problems. We are not commissioned to save the world. But Father God, through the words of Asaph, has said to us, pass on to the next generations who I am, what I'm about, and how they can learn to love, trust, and hope in me. So when you use your flashlight, I would suggest that you think and remember the song, Let in Your Light Shine. 
into the lives of your family, into the next generations, and do it by taking only one responsibility. Just show up. Just show up.